0: StopGoStop.com, a podcast. My name is John Wenzel. This week on the program, Vlogs, Open Source, and Your Personal Brand, an audio collage entitled, I Had an Epiphany on the First Page, or Sharing with Your Friends Even If You Don't Know Who They Are. Stop, Go Stop is an experimental podcast dedicated to expanding the possibilities of RSS-based audio distribution. Subscribe to the feed by visiting stopgostop.com or searching my last name, Wanzel, W-A-N-Z-E-L, in iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And now, episode 39 of Stop, Go Stop.
1: um yeah this one last
2: name
1: but let me just say something real quick when I in line you no know, doesn't matter what yes it doesn't matter when I screwed up that doesn't mean you screwed up too like I'm standing in line at the bank I screwed up a little bit the man behind me theres only has two in line I screwed up again he up again and then I hear him go on my back what the hell are you whoa so I just want y'all to know, there's a thing called personal space in a bubble, and I don't want you to pop mine, because I don't try to pop yours. So please, everybody, just learn that when I move up, that means I'm trying to, you know, have my own space. That does not mean, hey, let me follow the tall black girl who's moving up in front
3: of brother. I really didn't know what to vlog about today, so I thought I'd just talk to talk. I tried to go out into the backyard so that I'd have a little bit of fresh air while I was trying to talk to a camera, but... There were people in all the yards around me, and people were looking at me like I was crazy for talking to a camera. Which I really don't care if they think I'm crazy, but I don't think it's any of their business what I'm saying or who I'm saying it to unless they subscribe to this vlog. And I tried to talk about the animals, and they weren't cooperating with me either. And I tried to come in here and find a place to stand where I could talk to a camera. And either the camera wouldn't prop properly because I'm using my phone, or people are yelling in the background because they're playing video games and getting frustrated. Max Weber has often been
4: called a methodological individualist. He believes that in principle every sociologist should start with the only thing that is really real in the human sciences: human beings. It's okay to talk about Protestantism or capitalism, about the economy or the political system, about the church or the law, as long as you don't forget that those entities are ideal, typical constructions and that the only thing that is real, that is present in the world out there, that you can observe and touch, interview and listen to, is human individuals. When all is said and done, society can not be anything else than just that. All the individuals that compose
5: well, the society. It would be great if we created a space where individuals could achieve what they couldn't achieve elsewhere. Right. Maybe people want to create a user group resource network. Maybe they want to create a, a mailing list for women in tech. Maybe they want to create a, a social fund for developers. Wow. Those are all things that you really couldn't easily get started somewhere else but OSI is the place where we now want you to come, become an individual member and get that done.
3: So I'm having all sorts of distractions today and now I am laying on my bed because there is nowhere else to go where I can have privacy. So this might just be my blog spot or my vlog spot I should say.
2: Who are you? What is your brand? I'm going to share with you five steps to finding your personal brand. Now the term brand is frequently used these days although people think of a logo. A brand is more than a logo, in fact, you are a brand and the most important one at that. When your name or business name is mentioned, what do people think and feel? You know, when they're gossiping about you, is it positive or negative? That is what your brand is projecting. Everything you do, think, feel, say, everything you want to do is part of brand you.
4: In many places in his work, Weber has been outspoken about this. For example, when he writes about the state, he reminds his readers that the state is nothing else than the chance that certain individuals will act in this way rather than acting in that way. And you know, I can't refrain from quoting something that was written not by Max Weber, but by a famous colleague and friend of Max Weber, the sociologist and philosopher Georg Simon, who developed his own brand of methodological individualism and who wrote this beautiful line that I want to share with you. Groping for something tangible, we found only individuals and between them, so to speak, nothing but empty space. Mm-hmm. Nach dem greifbaren tastend vinden wir nur individuen und zwischen ihnen gleichsam nur
2: Now working it out is very important, very important and it's a lot of fun. So I'm going to take you through five steps, fun steps to do it. Number one, your values. What are your values? What is at your core? Is it your faith, your family? Be honest, this is the foundation for your brand. Number two is your attitude. Look at your attitude. Do you have an attitude problem? Are you a glass half empty kind of person? Nothing ever works out for me or glass half full kind of person. If something's making you unhappy or, f- or affecting your attitude, so get rid of no it! So, I don't
3: mind listening to me talk and blah 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 while I'm sitting here in my bedroom. Anyway, I was going to talk more about myself, but I think the people who are following this vlog probably know me pretty well. So, for now, I'll just do a little spot on uh, what I keep on my phone and what I use my phone for. Obviously, I use it for my camera, so I can't show you what I'm doing on it while I'm doing it. Um, I think the things I use the most, especially when I first wake up in the morning, I check, or well, I use it for an alarm, so I turn off my alarm. And once I'm awake a little bit, I'll check my email, uh, my messages in Messenger, Facebook Messenger, and regular messages
6: very effective Um, referral networks as well. Speaking of LinkedIn, a great way to promote your blog post is to go to LinkedIn Answers and look for someone that's already asking a question about the type of content that you just wrote. If you can go to someone and say, here's the answer to your question, and if you're interested in more information, I actually just wrote about this recently, here's the link. You have just become a resource for that person. In addition to anyone that sees that question and then wants to know the answer as well. So you're not just helping one person when you do that. It's just a more personal way of doing it's it. It's easy more to will
5: forget, forget that uh, open source is actually an ethical construct. Uh, for you as a person, what's really important is your freedom. Right. But for you as a somebody running a small business, what matters is that you're able to be successful, and and profitable, and run the business. Yeah. They're both views of the same reality. Uh, having a profit motive doesn't exempt you from being ethical and being ethical doesn't exempt Steven Weber at the time, time
7: of writing this was a political economy professor and researcher at the University of California in Berkeley and what he did that I really loved was he looked at the the way that economic theories presume that open source software could never be created and then what was wrong with those theories as demonstrated by the actual success of open source software so when I read this book, I had an epiphany on the first page about how to solve the climate crisis. So this is a book that really has some potential for deep and cathartic insights. The thing for me that really stood out, that helped me have an understanding about dealing with climate change, was a shift in the way I'll that certain legal definitions phone, are used. I
3: listen to Pandora. I have a subscribed account on there, so I don't have to listen to commercials. Um, I use this app called Screen Time, well on my phone it's Screen Time Remote, but on the kids' devices it's Screen Time. This is all Android by the way. Um, On the kids' devices it's Screen Time. It kind of controls what they're doing so that they're not on their devices all the time. Um, I can control when they have access to their games and what they have access to and I get a daily report of how much time they've spent on it and what apps they've used. And that's kind of helpful because they're fairly young. If you unhappy
2: or or affecting your attitude, get rid of it. Fix your attitude or remove yourself from that environment because your attitude will determine whether people want to deal with you or not. They won't tell you, they just won't deal with you. So check it on a regular basis. Number three is passion. Absolutely love passion. If you could do anything in this world, what would it be? Do you want to be a rock star? You know, do you want to be a CEO? Whatever it is, feel free to be honest. Whatever your passion is, you need to be working for it. This is going to help you. also add
6: help. every single blog post I do to my email signature. There's a tool that I like called WiseStamp. WiseStamp gives you the ability to add additional features to your normal signature, so you have your name, your title, your business, your website, but you can also add maybe your latest tweet and your latest blog post. So the tool helps you from doing this to manually, but teachers still... teachers have
4: made it their pride and joy to oppose Weber and Durkheim, the methodological individualist versus the sociological holist. They are a bit handicapped by the fact that, you that may the greatest a daily basis. Sociology.
6: Another thing I like to do is look for blog posts that are similar, but not exactly the same as the posts that I wrote. This is a good time to go and comment and engage with the writer, engage with the readers that are also commenting below, and especially if the blog well, is
4: Everybody easy. agreed about it. Around the year 1910 and the greatest people sociologist in you Germany yourself. around.
2: Number four is your purpose. Often people don't like to admit what they want to be when they grow up. What do you want to be in five to 10 years from now? Again, be honest. It isn't set in stone. You can change it next week if you want to. A purpose will help you make decisions today that will set you up for the future. Now this is the real fun stuff. Number five is what are your six words? Ask your friends and family to list some words that describe you. At the same time create a list yourself and this can be anything don't feel the need to conform what do you really think of yourself now these words are going to be used in your language in your blog posts in your marketing they're you these are the words that people think of when they hear your name or your business name and don't worry if you don't like them work on yourself to change to change the words that describe you and not
4: 1910 were, of course Aware of each other's existence, but never reacted to each other's work, as far as I know. Now, the debate between Durkheim and the French methodological individualist Gabriel
6: Tarde is, in fact, as close as you can get. And by the way, recently, but you've already been sharing their stuff, and you feel like maybe they would like something that you did. Why don't you hit them up with a DM, private Some message, information, whatever information. you want, so, right. and say, hey, I just wrote this, I and I thought
4: that your audience would today. This would be quite impossible. You know, imagine those two sociological heavyweights. They would see each other in international conferences. They would be invited by scientists. I thought your
6: audience might like it. Feel free to tweet. Here's a sample tweet for you. Make it really simple and only do it if you have been giving, giving, giving to them. If you haven't done anything for them,
3: and I feel they still need their um, internet time specifically monitored just to make sure they're not getting into anything they shouldn't Um, I also use my phone a lot for Netflix and Hulu and I have a Chromecast so I'll just cast that to my TV Um, let's see I have a few games on here some of them I don't play much anymore but I used to play more I used to play Terraria quite a bit Um, I've played Minecraft a little bit on my phone, but I prefer to play that on the consoles. Um, I'll play Farm Heroes Saga just to pass the time sometimes, or Evil Apples is fun, but I have to have friends to play with to play that. Um, I'm a big user of Instagram and Facebook. I'm on entirely too much. Um, I think if there was one website I would want to leave... If it wasn't for some of my old friends being on there, it would be Facebook because it just takes up entirely too much of my time. I suck. at self-control when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Also on my phone, I have Pinterest, which is a big time drain. I don't use it too much because of that. I don't know. Um, I have banking and shopping apps. Amazon. I buy from Amazon quite a bit. eBay a little bit. but Amazon's the big one. Um, I use my phone for a flashlight, which most people do so that's nothing out of the ordinary and I have an app called Infinite Campus that I can check my kids' grades and assignments and stuff like that in school so I can keep up on what they're doing if they don't want to inform me and it helps me keep track of their homework and it was a big very useful tool last year and I expect it will be this year once the kids get going a little more in school and I think Besides messaging and email, the biggest thing that I use on my phone is a calendar. Um, I use Google calendars and I sync it with Sean's calendar and I make sure that all of our appointments are in there and all the events that we want to go to are in there so it kind of keeps us on track and reminds us. Um, I used to be really bad about keeping track of appointments. Written calendars don't go with me so I don't always see them when I'm scheduling other appointments so the calendars been the useful tool for me. I have some more topics finally. I did some searching for some more video topics, for some more vlogging topics, and um, I have a couple now that I can do here in the near future. I would like to open up now and have anybody who has any questions ask me questions. Um, I'd like at least a couple questions a week so I can post a video response to those. That would be great. because. I'm new to this vlogging thing and I feel like my life is kind of boring and I don't really know what to say. So if you could ask me questions or tell me what you want to hear me talk about, anything, any suggestions at all would be fantastic. So.
6: Anyway, anything for them. Bye for now. Don't bother because that's just annoying. I will give you a bonus tip today, but this one is if you have a little bit more time on your hands. I also like to go and contribute someplace else and do a guest post about a topic that's similar to what I just wrote about. Because if there's a good opportunity for me to link to that post in reference to something that I say in the guest post, then that's a really good way to get a backlink and more eyes on that content. As long as
7: it makes sense and you're not and overlinking insights. in the post, the The thing for me that really stood out, that helped me have an understanding about dealing with climate change, was a shift in the way that certain legal definitions are used. So as a technical point, open source software is built on a number of different licensing agreements, and licensing agreements grow out of the world of what is called um, intellectual property rights, which at a deeper level is about the way that we legally recognize ownership, who owns what and how. And so the thing that Stephen Weber pointed out on page one of this book was that part of the collection of rights that an owner has is the right to exclude others. So if I own a piece of property, life, then I can put a fence involved, around it and, and exclude other student. people from coming onto me. I company.
2: know, I can hear what are your six words. Well here they are. Passionate, honest, fun, determined, leader, and fitness, of course. Put all the above together, all those points, and that is the core of who you are and your brand. This is you and everything you do, everything you say, everything you think of. Now, I would love to know what you come up with, so do feel free to share it with me. Now, if you enjoyed this video, subscribe to the channel and share it with your friends. I would also love for you yes, to connect with me personally a number one question any for me all of all of these networks. What
3: is the networks. difference between free and open source? Okay. And some of them cross paths.
5: Well, actually, um, I don't believe there's any difference between free and open source software. I believe they're just simply Different angles to look at the same reality from. The ideas behind free software are ethical reasons. They're about the imperative for software to always be available to use, study, modify, and distribute. And that's a personal imperative. Um, Open source is more a pragmatic imperative. It's how you make software into free software. And uh, one of the reasons it was started is because companies are not ethical things, they're they're not really people. (laughs) Don't tell the government, they're not really people. And so having an ethical discussion with a company is not a good idea. You can't shame a company. But you can persuade a company that if it uses an open source method, it will make better software, it will make more profit, it will influence more people. So open source is uh, the- the, Without
7: alienating people. (laughs) So open source is the
5: pragmatic view of software freedom. And the Free Software Foundation looks at the ethical view of software freedom. But I believe they're the same thing, viewed from different angles. It's easy to forget. Hi,
8: everybody. Welcome to the Colors of Beauty by Elle. i Isabel. Welcome to another car vlog. I am on my way to my mom's house. And my daughter is going to meet me there. We're going to go to the mall. And then we're going to go to lunch. And uh, so it should be fun. But I am freaking tired. I'm so tired today. Oh my gosh! Yesterday I babysat because uh, I babysit my grandchildren, and I babysat. Um, but
4: when you read the more Kate empirical Lynch, studies Kate, of Katie's those two giants of sociology, the difference sometimes seems to evaporate. Durkheim, for example, cannot escape from being interested in what happens to somebody who is struck by a general atmosphere of anomie. His arguments about anomic suicide are so convincing because we can easily imagine what the world must look like for an individual living in a period of anomie. And Weber, on the other hand, cannot always force himself to keep an eye on the actions of individual human beings. You know, he has become very famous for his grand analysis of macro-sociological processes, such as the process of rationalisation or the process of bureaucratization. Those two theorists were far too clever to be imprisoned by their own methodological prescription.
2: Subscribe to my newsletter, goodness. The only place I open up the vault with personal case studies you could actually relate to and release opportunities to be connected and attend exclusive events. Now remember, in business and in life, be passionate, be honest, and um, and keep it simple. So
8: he hasn't started school yet, I think he starts school next week, I think that's when they start their school, Um, but Katie, um, I'll be still getting Caitlin. You know to watch her and uh, there, there, but i don't know it's like the older i get you know you know what i'm talking about my my mature friends that are my age the older you get the harder it is to recover from stuff like that <laughs> uh i'm not in bad shape but um but you know whatever they say that that uh People, what is it, it people over 40 or 50 um, all have arthritis in some form, whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not, there's arthritis in your bones, so I believe it. I have a really good source, Um, so jeepers.
9: It is here that Benjamin and Fourier's paths inevitably cross. Benjamin, upon recognizing the utopian nature of the arcade space, realizes that Fourier's catalyst for the phalanstery lies within these covered, sunlit boulevards of commerce. Benjamin sees that Fourier recognized the iron and glass spaces as modern machines of society, and transformed this typology using the same architectonic language from social space to livable residential space still adhering to the utilitarian idea. As Benjamin puts it, the phalanstery became a city of arcades. Fourier utilized the practicality of the covered spaces, providing shelter and a climate-controlled environment, leading to human comfort regardless of class or social standing. Fourier recognized human comfort as yet another equalizer, and therefore a breeder of harmony. Benjamin notes Fourier's psychological reasoning as well, stating that Fourier's utopia resembled a machine, with its complex organization and and iron-and-glass structure. It drew from the factory types and machine analogies of the newly industrialized world, putting a relatable human spin on a commercial archetype. Benjamin believed that Fourier's utopia using this well-oiled machinery formed of men rekindled the medieval idea of Cocaine, the mythical land of plenty and ease. The arcades and Fourier's manipulation of them provided the modern connection to this medieval fantasy realm both offered the fantasy of an alternative better world not beholden to the laws of nature the arcades with their capitalist ideals shelter from the elements and controlled climate offered commercial utopia while the phalanstery with similar physical characteristics offered a socio-cultural
8: utopia yeah so i woke up this morning and i was like so i was you know and i know not to pile on cuz usually what i do is if i if i babysit when i watch my grandkids um, I don't usually schedule anything the next day because I know I'm going to be tired, so I just kind of want to stay home and, you know, be a vegetable. <laughs> but, or whatever, <laughs> vegetate. Um, but I have to take my mom out, you know, because I promised her I was going to take her. And, uh, and then my daughter wanted to go, my youngest daughter. So, and because my young, but because her son, who is five, going to start school also and he wanted to go and visit um, great-grandma and tata so she's like I want to go with you mom so it's like "All right." so we're all gonna pile up in my in my truck and uh, go there go to, to the mall and go have lunch should be a good time
10: and ear to ear this announcement, and because the announcement doesn't involve all of you, um, only about 2,000 of you, I also have some items here that I'll be playing with and tapping on and touching, so that you have something to listen to as well if this doesn't pertain to you. Necessarily comfortable with. Sorry about that car sound. <laughs> um, but basically, things happened yesterday that got a little bit out Five of control. 5,000 years
11: ago, a stone tablet and had Egyptian hieroglyphics carved on it. These hieroglyphics explained how the first pharaoh, Narmer, had successfully unified northern and southern Egypt. Many consider this to be the first historic document. The practice of writing hieroglyphics on stone for announcing the achievements of the pharaohs continued for over 3,000 years. However, with the conquest of Egypt and the following rule of the Greeks, within 500 years, the practice stopped and hieroglyphics became a dead language. In 1799, Napoleon's army was in Egypt. A stone was found. It was one of these announcements of the achievements of a pharaoh, in this case, Ptolemy V, from 200 BC. It also had Greek written on it, kind of like the instructions on consumer products we have today that are multilingual. This stone was quickly recognized as the key to understanding Egyptian hieroglyphics that had been inscrutable for over 1400 years. Over 20 years and great effort, hieroglyphics were essentially decoded, an archive of over 3,500 years of historic announcements was now uh, understandable again. Um, you may be wondering um, if history has chocolate. to do modern You know,
8: if I was ever single and I would, would, if I ever gone on a date or whatever, I wouldn't eat stuff like that because I would be like uh, and then I would scare my date away, <laughs> seriously because my face would be all full of chocolate and of whatever. Well, ice cream everywhere oh and it's not because I'm like careless I just I try to be careful it's just for some reason it just like gets all over you know like that commercial that you see I don't know if you guys have seen this commercial but with with the guys eating the chicken wing or whatever and the chicken wings like slapping him in the face and he's got like wing sauce all over his face that's me. yeah, yeah. That would be, that would be so me. So it's just kind of funny that I'm like so messy. Uh, it's gross. Oh, and then, and then on the way, on, before I was starting to
7: vlog, um, I was... Uh, well, in was the same way there, I so that sorry. I can exclude people from using something, I can create a definition for why and how people can or cannot use something. So what he showed uh, that was really powerful for me was that open source software took this right to exclude and flipped it on its head by saying that for certain kinds of legal arrangements, this is where the Creative Commons um, copyright laws come from, for certain legal arrangements, it is possible to say that if I can exclude anyone from using this, then I will exclude anyone who doesn't want to share. So I will exclude those who would exclude. And when you take this really powerful bit of legal jujitsu to its extreme, then you get things like the birth of the entire sharing economy. And so, what Stephen Webb.
10: A couple of you guys were not happy about that. Um, I actually got messages from a couple of you who were very upset with my decision, which I don't think is necessarily fair, but. Um, however, what I did want to share with you is that I have made a Facebook page that you can go and like I know that this is not the same thing but it's the best that I can do at this time Um, it gives us a way to be connected it also let lets me talk to you and chat with you through messages, but the only thing is that I don't get to see any of your posts anymore, which is unfortunate because I enjoyed looking at your statuses and stuff like that. So yeah, it sucks completely. I do want to say something. Yesterday, I sat down and spent almost two hours sending invites to every single one of my friends on Facebook. There were 2,000 of you, and only 300 of you got them by the time I deactivated my account. It just wasn't in time and i'm pretty sure that
7: my friend does in this book The Success of Open Source is he explains how the economic transactions work at the level of a society so what happens when people come together and try to create something really big where ownership is distributed so wikipedia is an example the world owns Wikipedia as an intellectual commons, and it is created by people contributing to it while feeling like no one else is ever going to be able to exclude them or others from being able to use the material they created together Uh, and so the way that the legal rights of Wikipedia are set up are inspired by the legal arrangements for open source software so in the same way by changing the way we think about ownership and collective action to create really complex socially valuable things, Wikipedia, open source software, or the sharing economy, we begin to see how we can do a very different um, approach, take a very different approach to the way that we create and share things and stop this hoarding behavior that allows 85 individuals to have more wealth than the bottom three billion. Your personal brand is your
1: resume. You know, if you think anybody's hiring off a resume in three years, you're out of your god darn mind. You know, 90% of people I know Google you first anyway. No shot. So, whether you like it or not, I'm just laughing at people that don't think they're selling, right? You know, the hippie movement in, in San Francisco in the tech space that sometimes busts my chops, that they're always selling too. They just don't realize it. They're not selling the way, they think they're selling in a different way, but they're not. You know, and what push cuffs to shove, if you're not selling, you're gonna go out of business. And and they always sell out to the big corporations. So, you know, you know, this hierarchy of don't be a salesperson or don't promote yourself, you know, I understand and being too much is definitely a bad thing and I'm at fault at that at times. I get it.
7: But I'm just, you know, excited. And and I think that... Keep. It's important See, that to happens because, because those who own things could exclude others from having access to them. But if we set up a, a system of legal arrangements where we exclude those who would hoard things, then we can actually bring that hoarding behavior to an end. And that's one of the things that's explained in rich, concrete detail with lots of historical business and technological examples, as well as governmental examples in this wonderful book. So if you want to know how to hack the financial system and contribute to the growing sharing economy and contribute to the commons that we all depend upon, the many different kinds, then this is a great how-to guide for you to understand how to do it. So there you go. Go get Stephen Weber's book, Mm -hmm. The Success of Open Source, and hack the financial system. Enjoy.
10: So I thought of every one of you. You all mean so much to me, and I'm sorry about this whole stupid thing. There's nothing I can do about it, unfortunately. Uh, I tried talking to Facebook, and they don't want people with fake names on there. And I was one of the lucky ones that they chose that had to prove my identity with government-issued ID. So there was no way around it. However, I do also have Instagram, Twitter, emails. All of you are welcome to email me if you want to chat. I respond to almost all my emails. I have one or two that I have to respond to.
9: or the Arcades, an essay from Paris, capital of the 19th century. It is in the arcades of Paris during the early 19th century that many romantic thoughts and dreams of the bourgeoisie were born. It is also in these arcades, havens of fashion, commerce, and capitalism, that a variety of intellectual minds sought inspiration and possibility. It is here that Charles Fourier first drew inspiration for his vast socio-scientific utopia, and it is also here, almost a century later, that Walter Benjamin found the catalyst for his greatest work. Benjamin, a leftist German-Jewish philosopher, literary critic, and essayist, first visited Paris in the mid-1920s. He later relocated to the city following the rise of the Nazis in Germany and during the early sure 1930s. Design
2: is up to scratch. That couldn't be further from the truth, because nowadays we live, in a, we live in an era where everything is just so in your face, it's crowded out there, so it's hard to get noticed if you even as, as a job candidate do you know how many graduates there are out there who are just they're so talented but they can't find a job because they just don't stand out there's so many graduates to pick from employers are just like well we'll just pick the ones that stand out the most so you can't blend in and stand out and be successful at the same time you know you've got to find your own personal style you know, find your own brand voice, your own unique voice, and just run with it. And just It was the arcades
9: that fascinated him as an extension of Parisian street life, and their history led him to begin what would become his opus, Das Passagenwerk, or the Arcades Project, a collection of writings and essays detailing Parisian city life in the 19th century. Benjamin saw the arcades as a city within a city, quoting an illustrated Paris guide saying, the arcade is a city, indeed a world, in miniature. Benjamin analyzed the rise of the Arcade as the product of several influences. First, the rise of the textile trade brought the creation of a stock of goods, and thus the industry needed a place to sell their wares. Second, the Industrial Revolution ushered in the use of iron and subsequently glass as primary building materials, but only for public or transitory use. This use of iron and glass allowed the public streets to become enclosed to the elements while still allowing natural light and open air. This combination of commerce and construction provided the incubator, in Benjamin's opinion, for the rise of capitalism and subsequently the ideas of created utopias, not just in thought, but also, as he puts it, in a thousand configurations of life, from permanent buildings to ephemeral fashions.
3: Hello there. You came into this life as an extension, an expression of source energy in the physical dimension. Because of this, it could be said that you are an art piece, a creation, of God's. But as an extension of God, you are God. So you are both the creator and the created. And neither the creator or the creation is meant to be suppressed. When you live in a state of openness, you are allowing the art piece of you to be painted across this world. You are not restricting yourself. You are also not restricting source itself. Because of this, it is by far the more in-alignment way to be. And it can be said that walking the spiritual path is walking the path of complete openness.
0: You have been listening to I Had an Epiphany on the First Page or sharing with your friends, even if you don't know who they are. This is Stop, Go, Stop, an experimental podcast dedicated to expanding the possibilities of RSS-based audio distribution. My name is John Wanzell. You can find more information about this program and other programs like it by visiting stopgostop.com. There you can subscribe to the feed. You can also go to iTunes and search for my last name, Wanzel, W-A-N-Z-E-L, or any other podcast provider. This week on the program featured V-Logs, open source, personal brands, and other topics for a full list of the uh, quotations, you can visit Stop, Go, Stop, and you can see the show notes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This has been Stop, Go, Stop.